You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Friday, July 29th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, Think More Quickly as You Age by Boosting Exercise and Mental Activities, study says, from CNN. And Could You Have Coronary Artery Disease and Not Know It, from WebMD. Plus, The Gut-Brain Connection, from Harvard HealthBeat. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Think more quickly as you age by boosting exercise and mental activities, study says, by Sandy Lamott from CNN. Keeping your body and brain fit has long been a prescription for better mental health as you age. A new study has now revealed that women's mental processing speed may actually benefit more than men from a boost of exercise, such as brisk walking or biking for at least 15 minutes a week. A delay in the brain's processing speed is one of the key aspects of cognitive aging. Being able to think more quickly helps with planning, problem-solving, staying focused on tasks, and the ability to easily engage in conversations with others. We found that greater physical activity was associated with greater thinking speed reserve in women, but not in men, said study author Judy Pa a professor of neurosciences at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, in a statement. Mental processing speed in both sexes also benefited from cognitive activities, such as playing card games and reading, according to the study, which Neurology, the medical journal of the American Academy of Neurology, published recently. Taking part in more mental activities was associated with greater thinking speed reserve for both men and women, said Pa, who is co-director of the Alzheimer's Disease Cooperative Study at UC San Diego. However, any positive association between cognitive activities and memory reserve only applied to women, the study found. Any woman reading this story can feel empowered to take control of their brain health today by staying physically active and cognitively engaged, said Dr. Richard Isaacson, director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic in the Center for Brain Health at Florida Atlantic University's Schmidt College of Medicine. He was not involved in the study. In this study, a twofold increase in physical activity was equivalent to about 2.75 fewer years of processing speed aging in women, Isaacson said. Further, each extra cognitive activity corresponded to 13 fewer years of processing speed aging on average between women and men. Processing speed, not memory. The study asked 758 people with an average age of 76 about their weekly physical and mental activities. Participants earned points for each of three categories of cognitive engagement, taking classes on various subjects, playing cards, games, or bingo, and reading magazines, newspapers, or books. Each person in the study underwent a brain scan and took thinking speed and memory tests. Some people showed signs of cognitive impairment and dementia, while others had no thinking or memory problems. The researchers then compared those test results with brain scans of the hippocampus, a part of the brain associated with dementia. 
each additional mental activity, such as playing cards or reading, lessened the aging of that person's mental processing speed by an average of 13 years, 17 years among men, and 10 years among women, the study found. As we have arguably few to no effective treatments for Alzheimer's disease, prevention is crucial. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of treatment, Pa said. To know that people could potentially improve their cognitive reserve by taking simple steps, such as going to classes at the community center, playing bingo with their friends, or spending more time walking or gardening, is very exciting, she said. However, the study did not find any significant impact on memory. For example, greater physical activity was not associated with additional memory reserve in men or women. Why? That's a complicated question, said Isaacson, who also serves as a trustee of the McKnight Brain Research Foundation, which focuses on cognitive aging research and education. Was the memory test being used sensitive enough to detect change? Were the people in the study exercising enough to really move the needle, Isaacson asked. In our work, we have found that certain people need to really commit to their exercise program to demonstrate effects on the memory domain, he said. For example, people with one or more copies of the APOE4 genetic variant need to participate in more intense cardiovascular exercise programs, such as high-intensity interval training, on a regular basis to show positive effects, he said. A genetic risk for Alzheimer's. People who carry at least one copy of a gene called APOE4 have a greater risk of developing the characteristic beta-amyloid plaques and tau tangles of Alzheimer's as they age. Women in the new study carrying an APOE4 gene did not see the same benefits to their cognitive research from additional physical and mental activities. The most interesting aspect of the study is that APOE4 differentiated women from men said Rudy Tanzi, professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School and director of the Genetics and Aging Research Unit at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. It's possible that APOE4 either increases amyloid burden in women more than men, or perhaps once amyloid accumulates, it leads to a fast cascade of pathology and neurodegeneration in women versus men, said Tanzi, who is not involved in the study. The study also implies that women who carry the APOE4 risk gene variant for Alzheimer's may need to be extra diligent about practicing a more brain-healthy lifestyle, he added. The study had limitations. Participants self-reported physical and mental activity, so people may not have remembered correctly. Nor did the study control for other factors, such as education, that impact how well a person's brain ages. While exercise and staying mentally engaged shined through in this study, a comprehensive approach toward reducing Alzheimer's risk factors is the best recipe for success, Isaacson said. Any prevention plan should also include regular follow-up with a primary care physician, management of vascular risk factors like blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol, avoiding smoking, minimizing alcohol use, prioritizing sleep, managing stress, and following a Mediterranean-style diet, among many other suggestions, he said. Up next, could you have coronary artery disease and not know it?
reviewed by Bernita Nazario, MD, for WebMD. What is CAD? CAD stands for coronary artery disease. When you have it, blood flow through your arteries to your heart slows down or even stops. That means the blood can't carry oxygen to your heart muscles. This can damage your heart, cause chest pain like angina, or even lead to a heart attack. Does CAD have symptoms? CAD often causes no symptoms early on. You may not know you have it until you have a heart attack. Angina and shortness of breath are the only early symptoms. Angina is chest pain or tightness, usually triggered by activity or stress. What causes CAD? CAD can happen if your arteries are damaged or weakened over time. This can be brought on by smoking, high cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, or lack of exercise. High blood cholesterol can form plaque, fatty buildup, inside your arteries. Over time, plaque can narrow arteries or block them, causing a heart attack. Does inflammation play a role in CAD? Smoking, high cholesterol, diabetes, and high blood pressure cause inflammation that weakens and damages blood vessels. Ongoing inflammation causes plaque to form, build up, and break off into clots that can cause heart attack or stroke. What are the risk factors for CAD? Older age and family history raise your risk of CAD. People who are black or South Asian are also at higher risk. Other risk factors are things you can try to manage, including smoking, physical inactivity, obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, diets high in saturated or trans fats and salt, and stress. How is CAD diagnosed? Your doctor will do a physical exam and ask about your medical history. They may do blood tests to check for high cholesterol and other possible signs. CT scans can see if there are lots of calcium deposits inside arteries, a sign of CAD. They may need to inject contrast dye into your artery to get a more detailed scan. What heart tests help diagnose CAD? An electrocardiogram, or EKG, tests your heart's electrical signals to check for damage. Echocardiograms use your heart's sounds to create images of blood flow and force, valves, and muscles to detect damage or weakness. Exercise stress tests measure heart function as you walk on a treadmill. Nuclear stress tests use fluid injected into your bloodstream to track blood flow on a screen. What is cardiac catheterization? Cardiac catheterization is a procedure to check heart function or look for blocked arteries. A long catheter tube is put into an artery or vein in your leg or groin to track your blood flow. Dye injected through the catheter can show how blood flows through your arteries and spot any blockages. How can medications help treat CAD? Medications can work in several ways. Some help improve blood flow and reduce the risk of clots, and others help ease angina pain. Your doctor may also prescribe cholesterol-lowering drugs like statins, blood pressure medicine, or anticoagulants or daily aspirin to prevent blood clots. Are there surgical treatments for CAD? 
If you have a narrowed or blocked artery, your doctor may do a procedure called a balloon angioplasty. A tiny balloon is inserted into your coronary artery through a catheter to open the vessel. They can also insert a stent, a tiny device to hold open your artery. Bypass surgery can reroute blood flow by inserting segments of arteries or veins to bypass the blocked arteries. Will lifestyle changes help? Healthy lifestyle changes can help you manage CAD. Eat a healthy diet, get regular exercise, and if you smoke, quit. Try to lose weight if you're overweight or obese, and find ways to reduce and manage your stress. Can CAD be prevented? Healthy lifestyle changes help prevent CAD. Eat a healthy diet, exercise, quit smoking, and manage your stress and your weight. If you drink, drinking alcohol in moderation can help reduce plaque in your arteries. If you have conditions like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or diabetes, make sure you are managing them well. Living with CAD. Follow your treatment plan and take your medications as prescribed. Try cardiac rehab to learn how to manage symptoms and to exercise safely. Living with CAD can sometimes trigger depression. Counseling can help you manage your feelings. Up next, the gut-brain connection. Pay attention to your gut-brain connection. It may contribute to your anxiety and digestion problems. From Harvard HealthBeat. The gut-brain connection is no joke. It can link anxiety to stomach problems and vice versa. Have you ever had a gut-wrenching experience? Do certain situations make you feel nauseous? Have you ever felt butterflies in your stomach? We use these expressions for a reason. The gastrointestinal tract is sensitive to emotion. Anger, anxiety, sadness, elation, all of these feelings and others can trigger symptoms in the gut. The brain has a direct effect on the stomach and intestines. For example, the very thought of eating can release the stomach's juices before food gets there. This connection goes both ways. A troubled intestine can send signals to the brain, just as a troubled brain can send signals to the gut. Therefore, a person's stomach or intestinal distress can be the cause or the product of anxiety, stress, or depression. That's because the brain and the gastrointestinal or GI system are intimately connected. This is especially true in cases where a person experiences gastrointestinal upset with no obvious physical cause. For such functional GI disorders, it is difficult to try to heal a distressed gut without considering the role of stress and emotion. Given how closely the gut and brain interact, it becomes easier to understand why you might feel nauseated before giving a presentation or feel intestinal pain during times of stress. That doesn't mean, however, that functional gastrointestinal conditions are imagined or all in your head. Psychology combines with physical factors to cause pain and other bowel symptoms. Psychosocial factors influence the actual physiology of the gut as well as symptoms. In other words, stress or depression or other psychological factors can affect movement and contractions of the GI tract. 
In addition, many people with functional GI disorders perceive pain more acutely than other people do because their brains are more responsive to pain signals from the GI tract. Stress can make the existing pain seem even worse. Based on these observations, you might expect that at least some patients with functional GI conditions might improve with therapy to reduce stress or treat anxiety or depression. Multiple studies have found that psychologically based approaches lead to greater improvement in digestive symptoms compared with only conventional medical treatment. Gut brain connection, anxiety, and digestion. Are your stomach or intestinal problems, such as heartburn, abdominal cramps, or loose stools, related to stress? Watch for these and other common symptoms of stress and discuss them with your doctor. Together, you can come up with strategies to help you deal with the stressors in your life and also ease your digestive discomforts. The impact of stress on your gut. Given how closely the gut and brain interact, it might seem obvious that the pair often influence each other. Some people feel nauseated before giving a presentation. Others feel intestinal pain during times of stress. In any case, emotional and psychosocial factors play a role in functional gastrointestinal disorders. Treating the whole body. Stress-related symptoms felt in the gastrointestinal tract vary greatly from one person to the next, and treatment can vary as well. For example, one person with gastroesophageal reflux disease might have an occasional mild burning sensation in the chest, while another experiences excruciating discomfort night after night. As the severity of symptoms varies, so should the therapies, medications, self-help strategies, or even surgeries used to relieve them. Many people have mild symptoms that respond quickly to changes in diet or medications. If your symptoms do not improve, your clinician may ask you more questions about your medical history and perform some diagnostic tests to rule out an underlying cause. For some people, symptoms improve as soon as a serious diagnosis, like cancer, has been ruled out. Your doctor may also recommend symptom-specific medications, but sometimes these treatments are not enough. As symptoms become more severe, so does the likelihood that you are experiencing some sort of psychological distress. Often, people with moderate to severe symptoms, particularly those whose symptoms arise from stressful circumstances, can benefit from mind-directed therapies such as cognitive behavioral therapy and relaxation techniques. Some people are reluctant to accept the role of psychosocial factors in their illness, But it's important to know that emotions cause genuine chemical and physical responses in the body that can result in pain and discomfort. Behavioral therapy and stress reduction treatments help manage pain and improve other symptoms in ways that are different from how drugs act. The goal of all therapies is to reduce anxiety, encourage healthy behaviors, and help people cope with the pain and discomfort of their condition. Up next... How to protect your hearing. Everything from the right headphones to a better diet can help. From Consumer Reports on Health. If you already have enough hearing loss that you could benefit from a hearing aid, like nearly 25% of people ages 65 to 74 and 50% of people 75 and older, safeguarding what you still have is crucial. 
Some simple steps can help you do just that. Number one, cancel out noise. When you're using headphones in a loud setting, such as a train or an airplane, you may have difficulty hearing the music or podcast without pushing up the volume dangerously high. Consider using noise-canceling headphones, which can tune out some of that background noise, so that you can keep your music at a safe level. But skip noise-canceling headphones while doing an activity that requires you to be aware of your surroundings, such as cycling or jogging. Number two, keep the TV volume even. Love action movies, but find yourself turning the volume down during the most exciting and ear-splitting sequences. And then back up during quiet dialogue. Many TVs can make those changes for you, thanks to a feature called auto volume or dynamic range compression. This will automatically lower the volume when a loud sequence occurs, the commercials come on, or you change channels, which will help you avoid a sudden burst of sound. Number three, wear these for protection. Some models of certain power tools, such as lawnmowers, leaf blowers, and string trimmers, exceed 90 decibels in Consumer Reports tests. And hearing loss can occur in just 15 minutes of exposure to sound that's 100 decibels. So it's crucial to wear hearing protection, either noise-blocking earmuffs or foam earplugs, while working with these tools. To get the most protection from earplugs, tightly roll up the plug lengthwise. Gently pull your ear away from your head and insert the plug with your other hand. Hold the plug in place until it fully re-expands. Number four, get more from hearing aids. If your hearing aids have the capability, consider streaming your music and even the TV and your phone calls directly through them via Bluetooth and your smartphone instead of using headphones. Because your device is tailored to your specific needs. Including the maximum volume that's appropriate for you, it can tone down overly loud noises when necessary. At public events, if your hearing aids have a telecoil, ask if an induction loop system is available. This will feed the venue's audio directly into your hearing devices. Number five, eat right. Conditions such as cardiovascular disease and diabetes can impede blood flow through inner ear capillaries, contributing to hearing loss. A heart-healthy diet full of leafy greens, fruit, lean meats, and whole grains, along with limited refined grains, added sugars, and unhealthy fats, may help protect your hearing. Also, potentially good for your ears, exercising 30 minutes every day. Number six. Get your ears checked. If you think you may have hearing problems, ask your doctor if you need a hearing test. Medicare Part B covers a diagnostic hearing exam only if you have a referral from a doctor. The earlier you get help, the better. Up next, and also from Consumer Reports on Health, best bedtime for your heart. Hitting the hay early may help your heart, suggests a study that tracked more than 88,000 adults for more than five years. Researchers found that a bedtime between 11 p.m. and 11:59 p.m. was linked to a 12% higher risk of heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, or stroke compared with a bedtime between 10 p.m. and 10:59 p.m. 
and going to bed after midnight most nights was associated with a 25% higher heart risk than heading off to sleep between 10 p.m. and 10.59 p.m. The researchers note that late bedtimes are linked with heart-related problems such as higher blood pressure, clogged arteries, obesity, and high blood sugar. And the study is from the European Heart Journal, Digital Health. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.